0: Welcome to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Hongi here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Tyler Fornes. With me today is Fred. I ain't getting a Threads account, Moreland. How are you doing, sir?
1: I'm doing all right as the uh, social media landscape collapses into just sheer chaos. Uh, I am uh, I'm doing all right. I am now on, on Blue Sky, which I'm pretty sure is going to be the one that dies. Um, but that's okay because it's actually good right now, at least, so... <laughs> um, I will take that over like whatever the hell Twitter is these days and I haven't signed up for threads I don't have a threads account I I, I will never get a threads account if all goes well um, but just the screenshots of the of whatever the hell you call tweets on threads look like just pure hell just nothing about brands and celebs like and not the celebs that would be fun to watch or follow but like I don't know, Ellen DeGeneres with her heavily sculpted uh Twitter, you know, branding bullshit. Uh it just looks awful. Like, like I don't want to touch it.
0: Yeah, I have uh, I have threads and at least it's easy. Like, I don't know if I like it. Um I haven't really used it a lot. I'm still I would prefer Twitter.
1: Um, Twitter yeah. is, you know, Twitter good was good. Field. I mean, even though it was the hell site, it, it was, it was good at stuff. And now it's not good at that stuff anymore. Mm-hmm.
0: As Odie re- readjusts himself to snuggle with me on the couch. Uh, it's social media is such a weird construct because is. the whole, I- the whole idea of it was to be able to keep in touch with people that you normally wouldn't be able to keep in touch with. Cause back in when we were kids and like our parents used to have pen pals and phone calls were a lot more prevalent that was how you kept touch now it's so much easier and the advent of technology is so great but it's really become as you kind of mentioned a hellscape because people are using it for so much bad and then people are trying to turn it into something that's just awful like the removal of tweet deck has pretty much ruined
1: twitter for a lot of people and when when i the, the moment i realized that twitter was like not going to recover I mean, other than like LOL when Elon Musk caught it, uh, but like the real thing was when I saw Drill left Twitter. I was like, "Oh, that is that's it. Game over, man. Game over." I can't believe Drill left Twitter. That's
0: yeah. Well, oh, hold on. He, I don't think he's officially left. He was talking about leaving.
1: I thought he left. Um, I thought Drill's OG. an OG. Like Drill is like that's the that's the. Uh, uh, he's still tweeting, so maybe he's, he hasn't left, he, but he is not tweeting at the same speed that he previously did. Um, uh, but God, yeah, he uh, he said something about, um, let me pull back up because it takes a second because Twitter is no longer good. Um, sorry to my beloved friends on here. I have to unfollow you all to keep my feet up. I will miss you, but my rate limit will be so nice. <laughs> it just
0: oh uh, he's he, so uh, great he,
1: he clearly just is absolutely despises like what elon has done to it um speaking of good tweets I got two here that I want to share with you and then we'll kind of segue from here I guess but one uh someone on Twitter uh pe Moskovitz, uh I don't know them they're at underscore PEM underscore pim uh said Twi- Twitter blue check Hiroshima was a plot dreamed up by the Jews to false flag America. Threads, blue check. What's your favorite number? I feel like that is uh, extremely. Oh.
0: Oh. And you know what? (laughs) Blue checks used to mean something. Yeah. They used to mean something. I used to have one. I, you know what? I earned it. I didn't pay for it. And now it's gone. Yeah. And look, I'll survive without a blue check. But the whole point of blue checks was to show who wasn't a, a, a scummer and who was real. Yeah. And now. And now Apple it is are scummers. Well, no, there's some, yeah. um, I've thought about getting a blue check only for the fact that you can post longer like tweets and stuff. And the algorithm spikes you to the top, which is important in trying to grow yourself as a person Yeah, for you. That's for important. Media. Yeah. But I also don't want, a check mark next to my
1: name anymore, as long as it's yeah, it's close it's, in that. it's not a it's no longer a badge of honor or whatever it was. It's it's kind of harrowing. But speaking of a uh, blue checked accounts, I also have another tweet to share with you from Kevin Durant. Oh who yes, I think, who I think I have wrapped around on and actually think owns. Uh, someone tweet, retweeted something he said. I don't even remember what it was, but that person said, "You don't think you' too grown to be acting like this, bro?" And Kevin Durant oh, quote tweeted it and just said. I lack maturity. <laughs> Phenomenal. Kevin, Kevin Durant actually owns. I'm sorry. It's it's just a fact now. Uh, so I got three games for you. Oh. It, uh, smoothly. Did you like that really smooth segue I just did right there of just, just grabbing the steering wheel and jerking it to one side? Um, Listen, I got three, it,
0: it, it was so smooth. It was like watching a Val segment at 2004
1: Raw lord all right so i got three games for you we got the, the cage match game uh someone made a website called did Kyrie say it and, <laughs> and there's also you know the immaculate grid someone has finally made an nfl version of that if you wanted to do that but uh i'll let you uh steer me here
0: all right well i'll let you pick the games let's let's spread them out and let's not start the entire first segment of the show talking doing games so let's do one now and we'll save the rest
1: all right, uh, let's do the Kyrie say it. All right, so oh, just te- you're you're going to get ten statements, and uh, oh, it's timed. Oh, that's not good. I'll just send you the link. Clear. Never mind, I'm boarding. I'm boarding. That's going to take too long uh, to get okay. through. Um, you're just
0: gonna have to copy and paste them, and then do them. We'll do that another time. Yeah. All right, I'll
1: have to figure out a better way to make that work. Uh, pull it out. All right, cage match time. Okay. All right, cage match game time. Uh, I have picked a pretty well rated wrestler, and I'm going to read the shitty reviews on him. Uh, this guy's got a 7.58 rating out of or with 1181 valid votes um, and uh, he has steadily been improving since cage match launched I think or at least this page for him launched in 2007 uh, there's been a couple dips but for the most part his numbers are uh, very high here uh, let's go with uh, this one. Uh, out of 10 rating from Captain Charisma, 1997. This was a December 2021 comment. The most tone-deaf pro wrestler I have ever seen. Seems to be too dense to actually understand anything about the art form he does professionally. And
0: this wrestler has been on Cage Match since 2007. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a shot in the dark here.
1: Is this Cody Rhodes? It is Cody Rhodes. I thought that was an extremely Cody Rhodes uh, uh, thing to say. Um, A lot of these negative ones are from uh, 2017. Uh, I think that was his Ring of Honor World Championship run. Is that right? Uh, But a lot Um, of push. I believe so, yeah.
0: That was when he joined Bullet Club.
1: Yeah. Yeah, It was always really weird in Bullet Club. Um, But yeah, there you go. You you won the cage match. uh, Game in one try, so ta da. That's that's the game. Hey, listen, um,
0: I am good at the cage match game, I am two for three. The first one I, I don't think I got, yeah, I did get lo- the last one, so we'll we'll keep track and see how awful I am at that. But let's let's have a discussion about tickets, Fred. Um, you sent me an interesting tweet. And I will not divulge the name of this uh, Twitter account because I don't want to bury them. But I will mention I the tweet. I forgot about this.
1: <laughs> Selling <laughs>
0: tickets and filling the arena on show day are two entirely different things. And this is talking about how AEW's all-in is not a success. And it's the, the brain dead um, the brain-dead world that we live in. And the first tweet was quote tweeting a Beno tweet talking about the top paid attendances on record, saying the event hasn't happened yet. Why are fans acting like this event already happened and is a success? Well, let me tell you, unknown Twitter person. According to WrestleTix, this event has sold seventy four thousand eight hundred eighty eight tickets. Now hold on, let me let, let me rephrase that distributed that yes i would project at least 88 to 90 percent of those are sold not papered because you're, you're going to have tickets that you give out for promotions you're going to have tickets that you give out for to wrestlers to staff that so they can bring family and stuff and then you're going to do stuff like radio giveaways and all those things those are normal like even like nfl games are papered there are plenty of promotional tickets this this show has an $8 million gate. Fred, if zero people showed up to watch this show. <laughs>
1: They're still getting that money, man.
0: And they air the show. They make $8 million, and it's a massive success. Now, you could argue that some PR elements, well, nobody showed up. Like, who cares? They gave me $8 million. That's fine. Like, of course, you want them to show up. But I got 8000000 bucks. million. I'm good. Like people are just, if you want to give an opinion on a product, be educated on the product, be educated on what is going on and give fair analysis. I'm so sick of people who are incredibly biased in this space. And I, I may have favorites and I may prefer watching companies like AEW and new Japan. But at the end of the day, I can tell you a spade from a spade. And I, I will say, Fred, I watched the Mace Saruga from God Move the other day mm-hmm. based yeah. on recommendations from jumping bomb audio's Kelly Harris. Good little
1: wrestler. Yeah, she is good.
0: I, I want to see her more. And he sent me one that I haven't gotten to watch yet. I want to see her more in a ring because I don't know how much of that, that uniqueness of the space translates, but like, if you want to give an opinion, educate yourself. Because I'd never seen her before. And I watched her and I talked to him. And then he, cut, he totally understood my assessment. Good little worker. the Good baby face. But I, I just feel like there's something missing within the context of that space. And the people who are so tribalistic about this pro wrestling thing, they grew up with only WWE. And I'll be honest, when I first started watching New Japan in like 2017 when Omega and Okada 1 happened... I struggled with the differences. I struggle with the show presentation being match, 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 match. And the 20 count and how they structured their matches and their epic main events. I struggle with that stuff. But you know what? I adapted. And I learned, okay, it's like television. There's more than one way to present a sitcom. There's more than one way to present a drama. There's more than one way to present a soap opera. (laughs) There's more than one way to present football. Just look at all the different networks that air it and how the camera angles are and how they produce their show. It's the same with professional wrestling. And you know what? I grew to appreciate the differences. And I, you know what? I liked it more. But if you're going to give an opinion, educate yourself and really understand what is going on before you make a comment. Because this... The whole tribalistic crap needs to stop. It's not doing anybody any good. It's what's making social media such a hellscape.
1: Yeah, uh, and you know, I uh, I actually read an article in Defector uh, yesterday about how uh, Dan Lipatard had Stephen A. Smith on a show and like didn't really put him personally on blast, but it's like, I hate what you've done to the media landscape, the sports media landscape, because. You know, he he's turned all of it into, because everyone's trying to copy his success, it's all been turned into just screaming match shows. And, uh, you know, Bobani Jones just got dropped by HBO, uh, like, last week, I think it was. And he's always done, like, a really uh, thoughtful kind of way of approaching sports. And it's a it's a real shame. And I feel like that's kind of reflective of how just about anything gets discussed uh, in our current culture right now. Uh, Regardless of the medium, though, social media is particularly bad at this, Um, and I feel like Twitter is uh, is really like the epitome of how bad it's got in the wrestling space. I think it's always been um, like you can go back and find like really dumb takes on like RSPW way back in the day, Uh, but like it's you know it's something about the last ten years where. You know, the whole, like, let's... It's not even... uh, Like, you don't have to take what Dave Meltzer reports at face value all the time. Like, sometimes he is getting information from people that are working their own uh, angles or trying to get their own word out there. I mean, you can look at the CM Punk situation for a good example of that. Uh, But it's very frustrating when he does something like... Okay, he, he rates matches, and he barely, like... I have heard of someone... Or from someone uh, who sat near him at a show once, and Dave's way of doing a star rating was after the match was over, just putting down a star rating, and that's what it, that's it. Like the, the people who get obsessed about it and um, complain about it, they are one hundred percent putting more time and effort into Dave's ratings than than what he's done. Um, and it's not to say that like he just makes up a number or whatever, but like you know he. He has his own um, he has his ideas of what he likes about in in a wrestling match and uh, that is reflected in his ratings and people that are like, oh, he just gives all these matches high star ratings now and uh, really wrestling was better back in insert year here. Um, You know, it doesn't stop to think that maybe the the style matches these days uh, fits Dave's Wants you know his, his not wants that's probably not the right word of it but his his tastes better and so he does tend to like them those matches better and what we have in match style in 2023 as compared to like 1997 or 2003 or whatever year you want to put there at least in America is a very much faster paced um, harder hitting more big moves oriented style. Uh while back on Nitro you get some like six minute matches that were spent half of which were around like a uh, armoring or, or what have you. And uh Dave obviously prefers one-style match better, and that's okay. Yeah, there's also way more wrestling available in twenty year twenty twenty-three. You know, mm-hmm. Dave doesn't have to wait weeks to get tapes of whatever happened in nineteen ninety-five New Japan or all of Japan. Um and, uh, it's all, you know, there's not matches he's not going to get because they didn't make TV though. They would just be put on new Japan world or ajpw.tv TV or whatever. So I don't know. It's just very, and then you, you extend that out to like, you know, him reporting on news and like, it's not hard to read between the lines on, uh, what people were saying or what he was reporting. People were saying on the elite punk side, especially, you know, or issues, especially when he came out and said that he never talked with the young bucks or Adam page. They never talked to him and he was hearing from the CM punk side. And that's not hard to like connect the two dots of, okay, this is, these are who he's hearing from. This is what he's saying. This is the information he's getting and probably where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. There's still people out there that have convinced themselves that uh, Dave, because Dave has been friendly with the bucks before that he has 100% taken their side. And is not doing journalism stuff and it's just you know it's absurd it's just all the way down and uh it's in all you know you've got the aggregators that can, they'll they'll read an article and then they'll summarize it wrong uh, or willingly put that information in there and it's just all insane you know just really it's kind of sad it is sad it's not kind of sad
0: what's really hilarious about it is dave arguably loves wwe more than most people Mm -hmm. uh he rates them on a i'm not gonna say rates them on a curve but he he likes them more than most in the wrestling media space like he thinks the bloodline is great and the bloodline is very good but i don't think it's this all-time arc they basically have been doing the same things over and over for two years. At, at, at a certain point, you kind of, it's too long in the tooth. But the matches he really likes, he rates them highly. Mm-hmm. And it, this anti-Dave Meltzer thing is honestly just a bunch of crap. It's really inherently frustrating to kind of watch because its it's kind of crazy if you think about
1: it. Yeah, I mean over the past year especially, like, Dave has been pretty critical of AEW at points, usually fairly, I think. Uh, and he's been very he's praised WWE a lot. Um, and now it's to the point where like I, I don't even think he really you know, like with he talks about Dominic Mysterio getting heat where a lot of it is that, you know, to me it sounds like that uh hairdryer heat. You know, where they're hitting the button and uh getting just a lot of, um, you know, just just sound that is not actually being made by the crowd. And that, you know, might be cueing the crowd to go along with it. Or it might just, I you know, it's hard to really break down the exact relationship there. Uh, I do think it's played a role in helping get Dominic over. But, you know, I, still even his loudest reactions aren't really like what uh, Don Callis is getting, I think. Just as a direct comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The Don uh, Callis reactions
0: are next level.
1: Yeah, I, I think that there's a clear difference between the two. And that's not like, it's just a, in my opinion, it's part of the production of WWE versus AEW. WWE wants to get those reactions. So what they do is they they push the button and it plays in the arena, I guess. And that helps cue up the fans that like to you know be part of the show and uh, either do think Dom's a good heel or are willing to play along. I don't know how to attribute that. Uh, to AEW, where you know, I also think the shows are there, the the fans. I'm sorry, are there to have a good time, and uh, they they want to boo Don Callis, but I mean, they aren't booing every heel on the card like they booed Don Callis. Like it's clear there's something really unique and special going on there, and um, I don't know. It's just odd to me, um, but you know, it seems that both are working in each company, and that's you know, that's fine. So. Yeah,
0: the tribalistic thing. I could I could yell about it for hours and hours and hours, but it is what it is and it needs to stop. And speaking no of tribalistic, let's uh, let's go to um let's go to Kenny Omega. Sure. Kenny Omega was interviewed by Uprocks and discussed taking the Tiger Driver 91. And I quote People that wanted to shit on something or people that want to frown upon something or for people to say that want to say, well, if it were me, I wouldn't have done that. I didn't get to where I was by being able to do things that everyone else could do. I realized and I recognized that I do have special talents that maybe not everyone else can do. And this is the safety police argument. Who cares? He wanted to take it. He chose to take it. He understands the risks of taking it. And... There we go. Who cares? He wanted to do it. He chose to do it. And if they want to do it, considering they're professional wrestlers, they have done very all high level things. ones
1: too. You know, yeah.
0: they've done all these things to protect their bodies. They do the, uh, the bridging, the neck exercises to strengthen those areas. If he wanted to, hell yeah, go for it. I'm not going to tell you that you can't do something that you feel that you can do. And guess what? He's fine why because he's kenny omega that's it
1: yeah i think there's um there's a uh fine line here um i because of my uh background i'm not a f- like i'm not the biggest inherent fan of blading it doesn't really bother me, but, you know, I do worry about stuff, and part of why I worry about it is because AEW never really, you know, come out and said a clear thing about this. Um, But, you know, the transmission of bloodborne borne pathogens, uh, like HIV or hepatitis and so forth, uh, when people are doing these weight jobs, I assume that, that a company like AEW, of its size and finances and everything, are having their workers be blood tested regularly just to make sure that there's no risk of that in the future. Um, But, you know, we also have lived in a, 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 you know, a time where WWE granted a completely different company run by a a completely different person was still a large company at the time, basically cheaped out on the rigging that killed, uh, that killed Owen Hart, you know, on top of uh, various other Bad decisions they've made for people's health uh, during the past thirty years. So there is a um, there's just got to be. Uh, but the, at the same time, like the the real problem should be the pressures that the company puts on a worker, and not the pressures a worker puts on themselves. I think is the real uh, difference here. Uh, if if someone decides to take a risk, like when Darby Allen's taking these hellacious bumps. Uh, am I concerned about his long-term health? To some extent, yeah. Uh some of these bumps, like remember the Samoa Joe match where he just flew everywhere for Joe and like just took some truly gnarly uh bumps in that match. Yeah. Yeah. It was like kind of concerning. I was like, oh man, I hope this kid is gonna be okay at age 40. You know. Um but he it's part of his um part of his style that he's decided to work. Um and that's his decision man i i don't know what else to say there um we're not talking about someone um you know uh choosing to do steroids to try to look better for tv that is you know pretty clear like that that's even a dare i say a clearer trade-off because you could argue that maybe they can learn to take bumps right and everything but you know steroids do pose health risks um and, you know, taking pain pills pose health risks too. But, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that, you know, we as a culture at least don't want our guys addicted to pain pills and dying when they're 40. We're kind of opposed to that for, you know, the better. Um, now, the argument, I guess, becomes, are these are these bumps going to lead directly to addiction? And I feel like that's a really hard thing to say to some extent. You know, I think it could potentially lead to it, but I think we also saw a lot of that in WWE when people weren't taking these bumps. Is this worse morally? I, I don't think so. I think you're trusting these professionals to make the decisions about what they do with their bodies. Um, so I don't know. I, I feel like there there is some extent of um, well-founded concerns when it comes to these discussions, but they quickly just turn into uh, another branch of... Uh, tribalism, where see, this would never happen in WWE, and that makes it a safe company, despite the fact that like the injury injury rate in WWE is pretty high at times, uh, despite working a air quote safer style here. Um, like Bailey, I think her body got wrecked, and she still hasn't recovered from it because she was having to go down to Florida to train for the you know in preparation of them going back on the road full time after the pandemic. You know, it's not always you know, the extreme bumps that lead to the big injury. Sometimes it's just benign stuff. So I don't know. That's kind of my rambling thoughts on it.
0: Yeah. And I think it's important because Brian Danielson um, broke his arm in the match against Kazuchika Okada with an elbow drop. And he said in the presser afterwards that John Cena tore his pec on a hip toss it happens like athletes get injured in the weirdest ways mm-hmm. you step wrong. You can pop your ACL as a football player. Yeah. Those kinds of things happen. And I think you have to understand that. I, I want people to understand those elements. And if you can understand those elements, that's, that's not my fault. Like I want there to be this understanding of X, Y, and Z. This is a dangerous sport. People get hurt. It doesn't have to be a dangerous move. It could be anything. Like Vince McMahon tore both of his quad tendons walking to the the room. Yeah. Like it happens. Deal with it. Shut up.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just part of the deal and if it bothers you, I mean, I guess don't watch, you know. I hate to say that. It feels very reductive, but it's the truth is there's always going to be a risk inherent to professional wrestling even if you're working like it's a you know a Whipper Billy Watson match from back in the day. You know, there's still going to be some risk to it. So, it's just part of the part of how it works. That's just kind of my take on it, you know. Uh, football is, is not safe, but it's uh, the most popular sport in America. Well, that's just the deal, man. I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. And people need to get over it. That's really the long and the short of it. Um, let's burn through some more news, and then we have a lot to talk about with these two shows. Um, Diamante has received a full-time AEW contract. She came in with uh, Lee's, and we all know how that situation turned out a couple years ago. But she's been working a lot of ring of honor and good for her. She's a, she's a good add to the women's division. I don't think there's a lot of like high end upside, but she's a good worker and you can never have enough of those, especially with how scarce women's talent is in the United States.
1: Yeah. uh, I think she's a really solid worker. Um, Kind of reminds me of that regard of Serena Deeb, who I haven't... If she's working, is she hurt? I haven't thought about Serena Deeb in a hot minute. And I actually uh, think she is. Oh, man, that's a bummer. She was having a decent run there. Uh, Although, I, you know, I know some people... She hasn't worked since last October, so I am very quick on the uptake here. I need to update my entry spreadsheet. Um, Um... uh but yeah I, I put diamante in the same uh same area um as uh as just a very uh t- you know solid in-ring worker who i think has a good place to 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 fill an aw yeah i, I would agree completely
0: on that front and
1: Codaholics uh, had a story from last month that basically said, uh, yeah, she's still gone and no one knows really why. There's some people think she's hurt. So, you know, we're just kind of like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's hope she comes back
0: soon because Serena Deep was a great add to the division, and I think yeah. she would be a really fun foil for Statlander. I think yeah. they had a few fun matches back in the day, um, but... We'll, we'll find out kind of what that ends up looking like long-term. Um, hopefully she comes back, but we'll see. We, we will see. And that's, that's part of the thing here is there's just a lot of unknown with so many little nuanced things, and this is one of them. Um, all right, moving forward. Speaking of contracts, Trench's contract was not renewed. He never wrestled. Uh, if we talk about stealing money Marvez. How about stealing money Trench? <laughs> um trench if you don't remember who he is he was the tattooed man um that was brought in by sort of strickland for the mogul affiliates and they ditched that right away and parker boudreau i think is still under contract but he's just not i think he's doing maybe roh stuff but in the meantime that he has moved on and joined the embassy and become the mogul embassy and trench uh maybe he'll go back to minor league baseball
1: we'll see yeah, I don't know. Um it's kind of a shame in a sense because I think that he definitely had a look that was going to make him uh you know be potentially fill in a spot somewhere, but he just uh the whole uh, Mogul Embassy thing um or I'm sorry, Mogul um oh god, Mogul affiliate. sorry. Uh just felt like it was dead in the water as soon as it was launched. I still think it really did hurt us. We we're struggling quite a bit uh and trench Mm -hmm. you know i you can't we can't speak on what he did in the ring because he he never did anything uh but it just didn't feel like he got it necessarily but at the same time i can't say that definitively just because you know he didn't do anything to prove it or not um I also, I do want to say that I do think it's a good strategy for mm-hmm. AW, you know, I've said this before, but to just grab a couple uh, guys that are like, you know, kind of like him or um, whoever, uh, Enriel Howard, who became Lash Legend, you know, these players that were like, you know, not at the highest level in athletics, but like, you know, sniffing it, you know, a little away from it because Enriel Howard was a, uh, Was a second round selection in the WNBA, who pretty clearly was not going to have much of a run in the league, uh, most likely. And uh, Trench was a baseball player who got stuck in Triple A and kind of never really played well enough to advance from there. Um, You know, I think maybe trying to find guys along that talent level and seeing if they work into a uh, work out to be a good pro wrestler is a reasonable uh, low risk high potential reward um move to that aw should continue to make you know maybe you will just get weird cases of like guys popping up in non-wrestling roles for two months and then disappearing forever but it, that's not the worst thing really so
0: yeah i agree let's move on here um This is an interesting one. Malachi Black said on Bobby Fish's podcast that he requested to be on Collision full-time. Fred, do you have any context of that?
1: Uh, I could try to pull it back up, but basically he... uh, The the quote that I saw on F4W is that Black said that... um, I requested to be strictly on Collision because I don't want people to get the pick. It's like, no, Saturday night night, I get to see the House of Black. That's what I wanted. Because if I give you the option for Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, you're going to go, it doesn't really matter. Uh, So I guess the idea in his mind uh, being that, you know, uh, if you know that it's going to be on Collision, then people who like the House of Black will tune into Collision. I don't know that that's necessarily worked out how people would have thought uh, so far, just because of the falling rating for Collision, but also that rating was going to fall. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just kind of imagining Malachi Black and Bobby Fish having conversations. that kind of makes me laugh. Oh, it, I'm not
0: going to lie. It makes me laugh, too. There's, there's so much funny with it, and... But you know what? Maybe he's just the kind of guy who thinks collision fits his style more than dynamite, which I don't necessarily disagree. Like, I I think with what he wants to do, collision works. It works really well. And yeah, that's fine. I I don't, I don't have an issue with that. If he wants to do that, by all means, go on ahead. And yeah, like some, some people are just going to want to work Saturdays instead of Wednesdays. Um, and that's fine. Uh, Darby Allen told the Hamilton crowd that Sting was doing great, which is a good sign, because um, Sting obviously had that wild match last week in the tornado tag with Chris Jericho. Um, yeah, Jim Ross. This is interesting. Believes he suffered a concussion um, on the same day as the premiere of Collision. Um, I, I think
1: I think he had a fall. Um, yeah, he he's apparently tripped on his CPAP machine and hit his head on a bedside table, which uh tremendously dangerous. Um, I'm just glad he's OK. I mean, that, he was apparently bleeding pretty good, too, and then just went back to bed um, in some extremely JR shit right there. Uh, but that yeah, I'll
0: be shit.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, look, I, I've been critical of what his uh, talent level in you know the modern era these days, but I don't want the guy to die, obviously. I, I don't want him to have health issues. So uh, I'm hopeful that he will continue to be okay um, and continue to improve. And uh, if that leads to him being on AWTV, then okay. Good way to put it. Um, hopefully he's doing okay. Battle of the Belts
0: 7 will air after Collision on Saturday, July 15th at 10 p.m. Eastern. I, I understand why they want to do this Battle of the Belts thing, but they haven't made it worth anything. And I, I think that they need to they need to scrap it. It's...
1: What are we doing? I mean, you know, if they're getting more money, then obviously they're going to keep doing it. <laughs> but... Um... Then do yeah. something more with it. They should. I I fully agree. We've been pretty critical of it since it launched, but you know, here we are. I, I don't I don't expect that it will change ever. It's going to just be like a uh, not very special edition of Rampage. You know, I think going forward, and that's just the deal. I guess. Yeah, I'm not and optimistic that- about getting significantly better in any way. I'm not either. Um,
0: but it is what it is. Um, Stadium Stampede mode is coming soon to fight forever. It's going to be a free download and it's going to be a battle Royal Now, battle Royal gimmicks in the space of video games have been kind of dying out. I think this one has a chance for it. And here's why it's different. It's pro wrestling. It's not yeah. guns. I'm going to shoot you and you're trying to shoot me. It's pro wrestling. And I think adding that to this with the stadium stampede element, I think it's going to be fun. And we'll see how it goes.
1: Yeah, he, um, (laughs) it looks very interesting. Um, I think, uh, it's very, uh, unique. I saw a clip of it from the, uh, VR people on Twitter earlier. And, uh, it just looks like sheer chaos and frankly good. It should, um, you've got Scorpio sky jumping off, uh, Someone's jumping off a tier of a stadium. Someone driving a uh, horse over people. Someone else driving a golf cart over people. Someone firing a cannon to knock Yuka Sakazaki off of the goalpost. This looks fantastic. I I can't wait to see just how dumb this thing's going to be. And frankly, the dumber it is, the better it'll be. I think. But yeah.
0: Oh hell yeah! It's it's going to be it's going to be fun, and we will be playing it. Um, that, that's it for the news. But I do want to point this out. VOW's um, own Jeff Martin, who uh, who is a comic book extraordinaire, was at the Edmonton Dynamite last night. And he said that oh, Omega came out after Rampage. And he talked about the fifth man, because they did make it official for Blood and Guts. It's five on five. Now, we don't know who the fifth on... The Blackpool Combat Club side is going to be. And we don't know who the fifth on the elite side is going to be. They kind of made reference to it maybe being Chris Jericho on either side, mm-hmm. with Don Callis asking him to join his family. Callis obviously having the ties with Kanosuke Takeshita and the Blackpool Combat Club right now. Omega said that he traveled before Forbidden Door to another country, not Canada not the United States, to go find and talk to the, recruit that fifth member. The obvious answer here, Fred, is Kota Ibushi. That's the obvious answer. How that complicates things with their partner, I don't know. But they did allow a DDT wrestler. I mean, he's now an AEW contract wrestler, but he's still DDT adjacent. Mm-hmm. in Takeshita on Forbidden Door. Would they? How would they feel about Kota Ibushi being on AEW television? Would they care? Is this like it? It's a very interesting dynamic. That doesn't necessarily mean that Ibushi is ever going to be on New Japan programming, but going on AEW. Do you want to upset your partner by doing so? There's there's some interesting elements here, and if it's not Ibushi as a second part of the question, Fred, who in the world could it be like Antonio Honda, which would be kind of hilarious in blood and guts. I'm not going to lie, but it, it's very interesting and I'll turn it over to you.
1: Uh, yeah, I, my guess, my guess would be that it's going to be like uh, shibata i I think it's going to be a situation where, it's someone that used to work for New Japan, but now basically doesn't. Uh, I mean, Obushi obviously doesn't. I don't really think, from, from what I've heard, it doesn't sound like uh, Shibata really has a direct tie to New Japan. Like, maybe he still has a contract that's technically active, but he's he doesn't wrestle for them. He is not part of the LA Dojo training, if I what I recall is correct. Uh, so he's just not part of their deal. He's just basically showing up on AEW and Ring of Honor uh so my assumption is it'd be like that that you would end up with a situation where uh basically they're like well he's not our guy but we you know we're not cmll we're not in a position where we hate these guys so much that we're going to threaten to break our relationship if they show up on our shared show um like cmll would with a guy like roosh for example i'm sure um So I just don't, I don't think it's a real political concern. Like now, if we find out differently, you know, I guess we'll see. But given how good things are between AEW and New Japan right now, and I think they're quite good, I'd be shocked if there is some kind of issue if Ibushi is brought into AEW and New Japan takes umbrage with that. I just don't think that's going to be the case. I think they'll just probably be like, all right, whatever, man, have fun.
0: I'm looking at it from more of this perspective, and it relates back to Tony Khan and television negotiations, where he explicitly said that he never tried to discuss a television deal for Ring of Honor outside of Warner Brothers Discovery. Would he just not want to sign a Bushi out of respect for his partner, New Japan, who cut him because a Bushi claimed they were run by Yakuza?
1: Yeah, that was a whole big thing.
0: And- um- it's an interesting element to this whole thing because he's shown then past precedent that he doesn't want to upset those he's partnered with so would he even try to bridge that gap that i think is the interesting question here not necessarily um new japan's side because i think you're right i don't think new japan would necessarily be worried but tony khan's trepidations about even trying to bridge that gap is
1: the interesting play I don't think he has much trepidation. I what I assume happened is that you know once it kind of became a possibility that he talked about it with New Japan. I was like, is this going to be an issue? And given the fact that we may be moving closer to it, you have to assume that the answer is no. It's not going to be an issue. Um, if there was an issue, I don't think they'd move forward with it. I think it would just be like getting sorry, but we can't bring him in because it's going to mess up our whole relationship uh, with uh, New Japan. Um, since that's a seemingly not the case, you know, they're advancing. So that's seemingly not the case is what I want to say. Um, mm-hmm. Now, you know, this is all speculation and trying to read tea leaves, but I, this is just what makes sense to me. Uh, otherwise it, you know, any other situation is kind of illogical to me. It just doesn't add up. Like if there was an issue, I don't see why Tony Khan, who clearly loves working with new Japan. Uh, and, you know, after the success for forbidden door, you know last week uh i don't see why he would want to jeopardize that if he thought he was jeopardizing it this wouldn't be something that would be advancing like it yeah. seemingly seemingly is
0: yeah there's a a lot of different nuances with this whole conversation and i'm i'm intrigued to kind of see how it plays out and i think Ibushi would be an interesting one but fred who else could it be
1: you know, I don't really have a good answer. Like, it could always just be a uh, a guy from New Japan. Like, you know, it could fill. You know, it could literally be Ishi. Um, it could be um, Suzuki. Doesn't quite seem right given how Minoru is a uh, given how he's been presented by AEW as a pretty consistent heel uh, aligned with Chris Jericho. But you know, I mean, you could you could pull in just about anyone from, for example, New Japan. But i you know the obvious connection would be or obvious guy would be abushi if it's not abushi then you start to think a little bit about other guys that were in bullet club around that time and i just don't think it's really you know these guys feel right like are they going to bring in chase owens or bad luck Fale? like it doesn't add up like Yujiro takahashi you know get the tokyo pimp in there i don't think so uh So, barring some, like, swerve that it's just a random big star from New Japan or whatever because he is a big star there, I I, I, I don't see it being anyone but Ibushi or Jericho. But, you know, it's... With the seeds planted, at least. There's very much a possibility it'll be someone else, I guess, just in terms of, like, business. But there, what Omega was teasing would not add up if it came, you know. They they were, like, waiting for that fifth surprise person to come out, and it's Hiromu Takahashi, you know, or Shingo Takagi. You know, it'd just be weird to be like, oh, okay, well, I mean, it's cool that he's here, but I don't get the storyline connection.
0: Uh, so, we have to eliminate anybody who's in the G1. Right, exactly. Because otherwise, you'd have Eddie Kingston in this match. Yeah, they would just and use Eddie instead. Yeah, so, my my brain went to maybe Okada, because they teamed up at New Year's Dash. Uh, and Okada in a Blood and Guts match would be fun.
1: Yeah, but he's in the
0: g I know, but it's so out of the element okay, of anything okay. that's really <laughs> ever done. Uh, like th- that—that's where my mind went to, and that's why we're—I'm ha- ha- trying to have this conversation. W- looking at everything, I really think that it's going to be a bushy, but I wouldn't be shocked if it ends up being a guy like that, that was in Bullet Club with him. Like, w- how great would Bad Luck Fale be? <laughs> like in a different kind of way. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I really do think it's going to be a bushy comedy
1: answer, Cody Rhodes. Um.
0: Ooh,
1: <laughs> that'd be funny. It's
0: not hey, going to happen.
1: Like literally impossible. But you know, it's funny to think about.
0: Nothing's impossible if you try hard enough. Um. All right, uh, let's let's talk um, some kind of big picture themes here. The Owen Hart tournament has we now have our semifinals set on the men's side, um, powerhouse Hobbs versus Ricky Starks, which is kind of a continuation of the feud that they had over the course of the last year and CM Punk versus Samoa Joe, which is a continuation of a feud that they had back in early two thousands of ring of honor. And they, they did play this up on television. Punk has never beaten Samoa Joe for, so for those who didn't know, about Punk's history with Joe. I thought that was really important, and I think Joe's beating him, and they making such a big point about it on Collision is reference to that, because now Joe, like, it's not going to hurt Punk, because everybody knows that he Joe is this monster who has never lost to Punk, and now you have this long-term play where he has to try and overcome him. I think I think that's the story
1: yeah and I think um I, I do think it's gonna be a drew win on Saturday and then that leads to a future match between the two. Uh, I'm sorry to go back to it but I just realized what the funniest answer would actually be uh for who the who the fifth man to help the elite out because of a bullet cloak connection would be Jeff Jarrett Oh please please <laughs>
0: please.
1: <laughs> I just real I just remembered he was in Bullet Club at that time that Kitty was the leader um oh,
0: yes I would. <laughs> God. oh my gosh listen listen
1: please just give it to sorry me sorry to pot myself but, but um
0: it, a really funny answer would be AJ Styles yeah
1: but you know impossible because of contracts was likely um yeah. But the idea of just Jeff Jarrett like coming out in an NW or I'm sorry not well maybe an NWO shirt but a uh, bullet club shirt throwing up the two sweet to the young bucks. I don't know. It's just very funny to me anyways.
0: Yeah um I, I think I think what we're gonna end up seeing is Samoa Joe versus Ricky Starks and I bet Ricky Starks wins it because really
1: you think so. I, I would guess Samoa Joe would win that. I think
0: you can, but I don't think you have to. I think uh, when you're not really pushing a guy like Ricky Starks hard, who you want to be a push commodity just because there's only so much you can do, I think giving him the Owen Hart win makes the most sense. Joe doesn't need it. Ricky Starks, I think, needs something. And I think this is a great something to give him.
1: Yeah, I think that... um... I think that's, I mean, you're not wrong. I think it would help Starks more than Joe, but I think Joe is is in a position where it makes a lot more sense than Starks because I think it would help build to the CM Punk match. That's obviously the rematch that would obviously come in that circumstance. While Starks would just be like, Hey, I want it. Cool. And okay, cool. Next. What's next? Um, I think from kayfabe, from storyline reasons, it makes just a lot more sense for, uh, for Joe to, to end up winning it in my mind.
0: I could see that. Um, And that's the great part. Any of these four guys could win it. They could give it to powerhouse Hobbs. Uh, They're giving more TV time to QTV and we'll see how long Hobbs is with QTV. Um, Just because, I mean, QT Marshall, Johnny television, who cares? Harley Cameron has a chance to be a star. I don't know. I don't know if she's good in the ring. I, I've never seen her in the ring, but I either. she's got the charisma. She's got a good look, and she understands how to interact inside the squared circle. There's potential there for a star in some capacity, but in, and if then if she can work, oh buddy, you could have something big on your hands. I I just have no idea if she's a. A worker or how good she is. She's got the rest
1: of it. Yeah, like she definitely that, comes across like a star in personality. The segment
0: with her and Anthony Bowens where she's hitting on him, and then he just tells her I'm gay and gets the loudest pop I've heard in a while. Yeah. <laughs> tremendous. Absolutely tremendous.
1: Yeah. Um I still haven't watched all that segment. I saw that part of it, but um. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I guess we'll see where this goes, but it feels like she, I mean, what, worst case scenario is what, like, she basically turns into what Julia Hart is now, like, you not know, the goth part, obviously, but like, just a cape, a more than capable outside presence, who may be able to work a little bit, you know, like, even if she's absolutely the worst person on the roster in the ring, just don't have her wrestle. It's not 2016 WWE where they had that really weird uh, fixation on making Lana become a wrestler when it was clear that she wasn't going to work like I think aW would be perfectly happy to just keep her as a as a personality
0: well and that's if she's only a personality I know you're she right exactly. worst case I just I don't know if she's a worker at all yeah. and that's that, that's just me trying to extrapolate and ask questions because I, I just I don't know um, we'll have to maybe I'll uh, hit up a couple of our um, Australian wrestling experts from Australia in Voice of Wrestling and see what they have to say. But let's transition over to the women's Owen Hart. Um, Ruby Soho got the win last night on Dynamite over Britt Baker. Um, nefarious interference. I thought it was pretty brilliant laying the original Owen Hart title belt out on the turnbuckle and then getting getting um, kind of getting the win there, u- utilizing a roll-up and, and obviously the hand of Tony Storm and I thought I thought it was pretty clever, um, and then she's facing off against Sky Blue, who I I'm going to be honest, Fred, I think Sky Blue is winning this thing because the other side is Willow Nightingale, and I can't remember who who came from the other side of that bracket, mm. but like Willow just lost a strong title, you could use this as a big push for her but they've really given sky blue a lot of television time over the last few weeks. I think, Oh, uh, Athena. Yeah. I think it's, I think you're going to get a sky blue, um, Owen Hart Memorial win. And then maybe you have sky blue because of that, or wh- you could do. Willow Nightingale, Athena and ring of honor. If Willow beats her. And then that could be your, uh, ring of honor women's world championship match at death before dishonor in a couple of weeks. I, there's a lot of elements here that I'm very intrigued by and that I, I think sky blue ends up winning.
1: <sighs> I actually think it's going to be a, a Ruby. Um, I think it's going to be Ruby, interesting. Uh, Soho. I think it just feels to me like she um, it's a little too soon for, for sky that they are getting very much behind her. I don't think it's going to be either. I mean, I guess, you know, I guess it could be Willow Nightingale. Um, they, they, they don't seem as high on her at the moment as sky blue. Um, which is my hesitancy. I don't think it's going to be Athena. She doesn't need it. She's doing perfectly fine over in the ring of honor. You know, uh, I'm going to stiff everyone to death, uh, division she's created for herself essentially. Um, so, you know, I think it, it does. I think it's going to be one of the other three. Um, i willow i mean i think will be in the final so that there will be that um but it just feels to me right now that like ruby as part of the outcast is a much bigger deal in aw than either willow or sky blue is as a um as a face now that being said you know maybe they're using this to try to build a new contender to have a title match with Tony Storm in a little bit. And either Blue or Willow Nightingale would be a pretty obvious uh, pick in that case. Uh, I I just don't have a good feeling for how this one's going to end. I think it's pretty wide open in between those three. And given that, you know, I'm just kind of like, eh, we'll see. Uh, I don't feel comfortable making it. I I don't think there's a lock is what I should say. Um, If I did guess... um... You know, Now that I think about it a little more, maybe it makes sense for Ruby to do the job to put someone over and set them up as a future Tony uh, opponent, so in that case, it would be Willow, right? Because Athena wouldn't make sense in that spot. Sky would be in the semifinal against uh, uh, Ruby, so I think maybe it will be Willow. I don't know. I think it's an intriguing uh, situation.
0: It is an intriguing situation. I'll give a little bit of pushback on the Ruby thing. I don't know if they're necessarily ready to with obviously we think inclusion of Dr. Martha Hart and her with the company. I don't know if they're going to be willing to put it on that kind of a heel yet. Maybe, maybe that's just me overthinking. And uh, like, obviously Tony Khan and AEW have really repaired the Hart families at th- that segment of the Hart families relationship with professional wrestling. Maybe that's not an issue. Maybe I'm overthinking it. it like it could be, And I don't know if Tony would want necessarily to have that on that kind of a heel. It's not a, hey, I'm just an, I'm just a jackass. Like they're pretty extra and they're over the top. I, yeah, I've been known to overthink things, Fred, you know, this we've, we've had a lot of discussions, but that's, that's something that, that I I really think about.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting, but uh, I just don't have a. I don't think it's a clear call. I, I don't think it's quite like the men's storm it where I feel, I feel pretty confident at this point that it's going to be a Samoa win to help set up the CM Punk follow up. But I guess, you know, I guess we'll see.
0: Yeah, um, let, let's let's keep things going. Um, let's talk about MJF and Adam Cole and mjf and adam cole is a very interesting relationship between the between them yes yes very uh, much so it's <sighs> they have the tag match and mjf is trying to get cole to cheat and eventually uh, well doing a um an abdominal stretch grabs his arm and the ref catches him yada yada whatever And then MJF gets hot tag. Cole wins with the last shot when MJF wanted to come back in. And then he has a birthday celebration where Cole ends up smashing MJF's face into cake. And this is getting more absurd.
1: Yes. It's getting very goofy.
0: Is Cole going to fully turn on MJF and tell him to F off? Or are we getting some kind of MJF manipulation play at the end of this? I it's very, it's a very unique device that Tony Khan is using here, and it's one that he really hasn't utilized much before. I don't know if he's done something like this before in such a long-term format, because we're going on three weeks now, because the the match that they had was three weeks ago yesterday. We're recording this on Thursday. And then they were the Blind uh, Eliminator Tag Tournament, and then they had the, the segments last week, and then now this week uh mjf was impressed that Cole could bench four or I think it was 315. it was uh th- 645 pound weights so the 270 plus the bar is 45 so yeah 315. he just benched it 10 times like a champ and he's just like whoa like it, it feels like you're gonna get some kind of chicanery from him but I have no idea where this is going well how do you feel about this like one do you even like it?
1: i think it's funny i don't know how effective it is as a like a world title program but it amuses me so i can give it that much um i i think mgf is really great in these uh you know these being kind of a aloof uh jerk kind of segments um uh but you know he's the world champion and the kind of the question becomes is that a effective storyline tell here uh it is very sports entertaining um, I know some people aren't a fan of that, uh, but I mean, I, I, you know, the match wasn't anything special. It, it was just, you know, like a, a bog standard match uh, with all the shenanigans mixed in, but I, I couldn't help but laugh quite a bit at just the interplay between MGF and Cole and both after the match and in their little pre-tape segment. All that said, I think there's serious questions about how effective this is as a uh, as a feud builder in AEW. I mean, I don't think it's it's going to fail fail by any chance. I don't know that it's just going to be a super hot program. Um, I think as far as the MJF as a world champion ones, you have to go back to the Bryan Danielson one. Um, and that was obviously a very different feel. That one succeeded. The four pillars, I think, was a failure. I think that's fair to say. Uh, not because of MJF necessarily, but just because of, you know, I don't think the other three were ready for prime time in that kind of role. Especially with some of the angles they were running. Adam Cole is capable of these these things. He, he hasn't looked bad. He's been entertaining along with MJF. Um, the question remains, how does this build to a world championship match? Uh, and I think the obvious answer is someone's got to turn on someone. But if you know, it, because of how this works, you're either making your top babyface challenger look like an idiot because he didn't get, he didn't see MJF coming, although they've done some lamp shading that he is smart enough to know that MJF will turn on him and can't be trusted. Or alternatively, your mastermind heel, MJF, uh, is made to look like a fool yet again. And that kind of plays into the whole, kind of the feel between the two characters that, um, that it is, you know, it's kind of like Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd, where MJF's Fudd and Bugs Bunny is, or Adam Cole is Bugs Bunny. Uh, he, you know, they he, Bugs Bunny just keeps tricking Elmer Fudd. And uh, so far in this view, there's been two big cases of Adam Cole just tricking MJF, three if you include the birthday cake, which I don't. But like, you know, convincing MJF um, to give him a... Uh, title qualifier match. I think that's what the the 30-minute time limit match was. And alternatively, putting his belt on the line against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, so, I don't know. It's kind of a weird situation to me. I, I can see how this plays into that. I also don't know if it's the right thing in AEW. Like, not to say that AEW is just a pure, you know, MMA-inspired promotion or some nonsense like that. But it is... Usually the Goofy feuds are not in the world title picture. Um, And so this is a little weird. I don't know. I'm still kind of working through it. Um, I guess, you know, the next couple weeks will obviously kind of reveal more about this, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's too early to say if it's working or not in my mind. I don't think it's obviously not working. Uh, I don't think it's a super success at this stage. The crowd was into... The, cel- the post match celebration segment, um, which they should have been, because that was pretty great in my mind. Uh, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see how this all plays out. Is a is a you know not a particularly great answer, but that's my answer right now. It's too early to call in my mind.
0: It is too early to call, and I do like the, as you said the lamp shading of Cole knowing that MJF is just this piece of trash, and he knows he can't trust him. But it feels like he's starting to buy in a little bit. And that shade of gray is interesting, but I don't, I don't, I don't really like this. Like we don't have to do this, mm-hmm. but I'm willing to get, give it time because Tony Khan has done a lot of really good things. And obviously I'm Jeff is a great mind for the business and not everything's going to hit, but he's earned the benefit of the doubt with me to see where this goes. And I think that's, that's the number one thing. Um,
1: all right, let's, uh,
0: Since we're kind of of doing
1: the the overarching notes here, Uh, what do you think about, basically, just in totality, the last episode of Collision the last episode of Dynamite? I guess we'll start with Collision. Did you think it was a good show, a a bad show, a middling show? Let's do this. I I was going to write an article about
0: this, but um, for the Patreon, Joe Lanza wrote uh, something very similar to what I was going to write, so I'm not going to write it anymore. Um, The idea of collision and the idea of dynamite are so different that I think it's great for this company. WCW had nitro and then they released thunder. WWE had raw and SmackDown. Essentially they were the same shows. Mm -hmm. They, there was really not a style difference in how those shows were presented there wasn't a real stock like difference in the wrestling dynamite and collision feel like different shows under the same umbrella, like the AL and NL before they got rid, they made the universal DH rule yeah, where you would have a lot of small ball in the NL. You would sacrifice, um, bunt to move guys over to second or third base and you try and get small ball runs. And then you'd have to figure out how you're going to pinch hit for the pitcher, and all those other nuanced details We're in the American league. Oh, we have a DH who cares? We're just going to swing. And I think bec- even though they're playing the same sport in the same league, it was different. And I think that's how you can kind of compare dynamite and collision collision feels like a modern version of Jim C- Crockett promotions, WCW Saturday night. Like it just, it feels different. It feels much more, cohesive in its production. It feels a lot less frantic. It feels smooth. Kevin Kelly is... So, I this is an interesting one because I don't think the announced team is great on collision. I think Kevin Kelly is a great announcer, but he needs more from his partner to really be great on collision because I just think he's, he's setting up perfectly, but then he's also trying to overcompensate because Nigel's not really... Doesn't feel like his heart's in it. I think that's the best way to put it. He's just not all the way there as far as being fully invested in that position. And I think you're losing something as far as how the cohesiveness of that announce table works. Once you get that cohesiveness, I think that announce team's going to be great, but it's not there yet. And I, I don't think that's any fault of Kevin Kelly, but Kevin is also so great at what he does with New Japan that I also think he's dealing with, you know, this is just me speculating, a little bit of a transition in style because it is different. And that's fine. We're only a few weeks in. This stuff's going to be ironed out, but the graphics feel they're different. The set is different.
1: Yeah. Uh, The presentation of the show, different. I love the opening promo gimmick. That feels like it's right off of like Saturday night main event. Um, Yeah. I I like that too.
0: It is really cool. And there's so many little things that differentiate itself while still continuing the same storylines while being the same wrestling company. I like those elements. I, I like dynamite. It's frantic. It's Mm -hmm. just a breakneck pace every week. You're go, 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 go. It is modern day pro wrestling. As you can potentially hear a leaf blower in the background as somebody's working on their lawn, it's it feels like what they believe modern wrestling should be. And collision is what modern wrestling could be with an old school flavor to it. I like that they're different even though they're the same. And I think that's really fun because it's there's so many unique elements to it.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that one of the coolest things they did on Rampage was the uh was the uh excuse me. Was the um Mark, Mark Henry promos. Like those worked really well and then they kind of stopped doing them for seemingly no real reason. I think and, and so I think with the first couple weeks they did they they were using non-English speaking talent, but still it's, you know, like there's ways you can work around that. Um It felt like a real shame that they moved away from that. Um, And, you know, I I think that's part of why Rampage didn't really succeed. Not the major reason, but a reason is that it just felt like Junior Dynamite. And uh, I think that they're avoiding that same mistake with uh, Collision. And I think it's working well so far. Yeah.
0: I like that I feel like I'm getting a different show, um, and oh, we talked about this. And like I, I remember as a kid watching Velocity, thinking, "Oh, sweet, I'm getting a whole new hour of wrestling." Now I'm not getting a whole new hour of wrestling. I'm getting half <laughs> of a SmackDown recap and a couple of and like a, a decent main event match with a couple eh, squashes. Like that's what Velocity was, and I I, I thought I was getting something different. That's kind of what Rampage has become, except you're getting Mm -hmm. more actual ring time. The average ring time in Rampage is 32 minutes. Collision is right now at, I think, an hour and one. Dynamite's at 54. Chris Samsa of sportprowrestling.com at the Chris Samsa on Twitter. You've probably heard that if you watch any New Japan. Sent me a, a link. Here we go. Um, dynamite's average of 54.41 wrestling time per episode, collisions one hour and 17 seconds, rampage 32.57. So, per minute, there's more wrestling on rampage than there are on the other two shows. Obviously, it's a little bit more condensed, but it's it kind of shows you the dichotomy of like kind of what you're getting at rampage. It's just it's not a velocity show, but if it, it feels like it, it really does. Because uh, you're not, it doesn't really feel like most weeks you're getting something new, something special. You're getting what used to be dark. Yeah, and that's that's inherently frustrating. Yeah, um, and I, I like that these are different shows. I like that these are fun, and I collision is worthwhile having on my TV on Saturday nights. Rampage is not on Fridays. Like I, I don't watch Rampage live. I've watched collision live a couple of times, but I can't do it. I, I need more. And to kind of wrap this all up, I like the fact that collision feels unique. It feels like its own entity but it doesn't stray away from the basic core principles of all elite, all elite wrestling, which is it's a wrestling show, not a
1: show about wrestling. Yeah, and I think that's uh, that's important. I think um, they've they've done a good job of differentiating them, and I think that'll help uh, Collisions succeed in you know kind of a tough spot.
0: Alright, let's get a couple more things Then, then I know you've got one more game for me. I want to talk about Hook and Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy... Sorry, we have to call him Jack Perry now. He is not yes. Jungle Boy. Thank God I was waiting for that day. He looks like a Hollywood douchebag. Perfect presentation. He is still getting comfortable talking. He's still getting comfortable with that aspect of it. Uh, this past week on Dynamite, he straight up said, hey... um." the hook's trying to attack me. No, if you want to do it, you have to do it in the ring. And he said he was going to Tony Khan's office to demand an FTW World the heavyweight title match. Well, the FTW title isn't an AEW sanction title, so I don't understand how that works. A- am I overthinking again? Cuz that
1: uh, Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't think it really matters. It's it's the FTW belt that's like mm-hmm. the the ninth title in AEW, so
0: yeah, that's, that's a fair point. It's, I like it. I also like that Hook is continuously going after him, and I think Jungle Boy should win it. Jungle Boy needs something to kind of take him over the top, and I think this could easily be it. There is a lot of fun element to what is going on here, and I'm very intrigued to see what's going to happen moving forward with uh, Jack Perry and how he's going to evolve with
1: how everything is currently set up. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh it's turned into a pretty good feud. Uh, Perry still has some work to do in terms of improving as a personality, but I mean, I thought he did better this this week than he did last week. Uh, maybe we uh, ixnay the anglais. <laughs> Omo praise for, you know, a few months for him. You know, I don't know that we need to send him out there. cutting kind of like a raw style eight, you know, what feels like a half hour promo, but on dynamite is like seven minutes. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think that that's really what he can do. Well, at this point in time, and you should book to situate the strengths, not the positives. He did pretty well coming mm-hmm. across as just like a, a jerk in that short segment, um, where he was interviewed before hook ran him off. Um, I don't know. I, I am cautiously optimistic that this will help him out, um, that he'll be able to grow into this role. And uh, I think it's it was desperately needed because I thought he was getting really stale as the Jungle Boy. Um, you Because know, at this point, he's... Is he 30 yet? Is that right? But you know, He's just in a different place than he was in 2019. That's all.
0: Yeah, he is in a different place, place. than he was then. And I think that I think that place is good. Uh, yeah. I think it, it is a good place to be. He's obviously has the backing of Tony Khan, and he's growing and developing as a professional wrestler, which is good. I'm intrigued to see how he continues to grow. Honestly, I think he needs more time with Christian. Just put him with – lock him in a house with Christian for two weeks. Have yeah. them watch tapes.
1: I guess the counter argument would be he was already hanging out with Christian for so long. You he know, needs he more.
0: He but needs Yes, more. he does need
1: more. Yeah. Um.
0: I'm I'm trying to think here. There's one other thing I was going to talk about,
1: and there's something I want to talk about, which is. Uh, Let's go with it. Uh, how great was Omega Yuta? I thought that was a really fantastic match. I went four and a half stars on it. Really? Yeah. Ooh. I like it a lot. Four and a
0: quarter. I I thought it was good, but I I it's not going to make my dynamite dozen.
1: I, I'd have to think about it for the Dynamite Dozen. I don't know that it'd be terribly high on it, but it might sneak into like the twelve spot. I just thought it really rocked. Um, yeah, I think I would definitely put that above um, Andretti and Jericho. Um, as as good of a story as that was, um, might just stay there. But I thought it was uh, thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, obviously, Omega is fantastic, and I really do think Yuta is looking like a future star over the past four months. Um, They're positioning himself like he is a future star. And he's been with, living up to it too.
0: He has been. I thought it was a really nice touch that uh, Yuta won off interference and then used the seatbelt clutch at double or nothing. Yeah. Kenny was ready for it. You got the interference from Kinosuke to Keshta, and then the seatbelt clutch. Well, Omega was ready for it and he kicked out. He knew what was coming. Yeah, I thought that was a really nice touch, and Omega just destroyed him. They played it off really well. Where Judas looks like he was going for a moonsault, Omega comes out like punches him right in the chin, and then doesn't have to lift him up for the one wing angel. Just has to hold him up, and oh, that he landed on his neck there. That was gnarly. Yeah, like ooh, and. Really good end of the show. You had Cass and to catch to go out and come beat up Omega. And then you had the Bucks and Hangman Adam Page with chairs. But the Dark Order takes the chair away from Hangman Page. And you get the stare down as they wrestled on Rampage in a rematch from last week's Dynamite. And that kicked off the hundredth episode of Rampage. Can you believe that? A hundred episodes of
1: Rampage. And they stopped mattering about forty ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It feels like a very. I, I appreciate that they've got the Bucks and Page wrestling on it, but it does feel like a very Rampage card, and not like a, we're going to try to make this a big deal. Um, and I mean, it's just there. I, I don't know what else to say at this point. Like, it's just Rampage is just going to be what it is, and it's not going to change. So,
0: yeah. And that kind of is what it is, but uh, that's all we have today, Fred that yeah aew's in an interesting place and we're gonna see how things kind of grow and progress moving forward as we inch toward all in and all out. But Fred, before we end up going today, you have one more game
1: Yeah um so you, you probably have seen the Immaculate Grid where you get the. 3 teams or classifications of baseball players across the top and then 3 across the side and you're supposed to mm-hmm. fill in a guy uh in one slot for e- you know each combination and uh someone has come up with a football equivalent. And I wanted to put you on the spot as the football knower and um and uh, see how you would do on today's uh, NFL crossover grid. Let's do it. All right, cool. So uh, so you got the three columns in the three rows. Across the top, your uh, three teams are the Cincinnati Bengals, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Seattle Seahawks. And across the side, you have the Cleveland Browns, the New England Patriots, and as a curveball, the Texas Longhorns. Ooh. So I'm going to send this over to you just for your reference. I actually pulled it up. so oh, Okay, I'm... cool. Even better.
0: Okay, so um, we're going to go top right. Browns and Seahawks, um, Arcavius Mingo.
1: That is correct. Browns and Chiefs. And also remember that a guy can only be used once on the grid. Yep. Um,
0: Seahawks and Patriots, Brandon Browner, the cornerback. I know that's, that's right because that Browner, is um, yeah. um, Ooh, um, Texas and Seattle, Puna Ford, P O O N A F O R D. Yep. Correct. Um, okay. Now. Quick,
1: uh, what I'll go ahead. I was just going to say, be sure to not pick anyone that like changed over from one team to the other this mm-hmm. off season, because that won't count unless they've actually played by, as of right now. Yeah.
0: I did yesterday's, and um, I think it was yesterday's. It might have been the day before. Was Bills and Cardinals, I put in Cody Ford, the offensive lineman, drafted by the Cardinals, then two years later, traded to the Bills, played for both teams It didn't register. It pissed me off.
1: Oh, that sucks.
0: It did. Um, Texas and Kansas City is Jamal Charles. Uh, he was really
1: great for a while there. Mm-hmm. That is correct, by the way.
0: Patriots and Chiefs, Matt Castle.
1: I thought he was going to be like a superstar with the Chiefs because I am very good at football and definitely am not an idiot. All right, you got that one correct. Five out of nine so far. You have four guesses left. Okay, this
0: is where I start to get in the weeds. I know there's crossover between the Chiefs and the Browns, but I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, feel Like, there's crossover at quarterback, and that, like, so I, I'm trying to narrow it down. Bengals with Texas, oh, um, Joseph Asai, a just, just, um, Heather.
1: no, oh, Osai, O S S A I. Alright, oh, okay. Alright, I was thinking Joseph Adai. Uh that is correct. I played for both. Yeah. Jo-
0: Joseph Adai played at LSU and yeah, first round right? pick of the Colts. Yep. Okay. Um Browns Chiefs. Mitchell Schwartz.
1: That is correct. Let's see. Two left. Browns, Bengals, and Bengals Patriots.
0: Um I'm, Browns Patriots have like seven. Um Bengals don't trade a lot. And I'm trying to think of oh,
1: Corey Dillon for
0: uh, Patriots for... Bengals. That one's yeah, I should have had that one. Um
1: That's correct. Leaving Neil with just the two Ohio teams. Browns and Bengals. This is a
0: interesting. Okay. So it's not anybody modern. So I'm trying to like cycle back in years past this one. uh, I'm going to struggle with. So be hilarious if Akili Smith went to the Browns after he bombed with the Bengals, but he didn't.
1: Yeah.
0: I know there's crossover, but it's, you don't get a ton of that kind of crossover in the, in divisions sometimes. And that, that can be a tough part. Like I'm, I'm thinking to like the one Browns playoff team in the early two thousands, like, Kevin Johnson, Quincy Morgan, like none of those guys end up going over. Um, There's an obvious one that I am completely blanking on that I'm going to laugh at when I figure it out. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's.
1: I unfortunately do not know the NFL well enough anymore to. Uh, to uh, have an answer here. I'm actually stuck on this one, too. And it okay. will tell you when, when you give up. But I
0: think I got it. I think I got it. Um. There was a receiver um who played for for the Browns. His name was Andrew Hawkins. He was like five eight. I think
1: he was also a Bengal. All right. Final answer. Yes. All right. Let's uh you got it, buddy. That's nine out of nine. The it, NFL. Only,
0: it only took five minutes. Like I remember so many names, but then when you have to com- combine them with teams, these are hard. They are they're hard.
1: not easy. Um I've got an NBA open that I've been working on off and on for the day. And I've uh, got four of them that I'm just stuck on. Don't think I'm going to make any progress with it. Which ones are you stuck on? Uh, we going to do this right now? Okay. Um, yeah, let's do it. All right. So I, uh, the Pistons and the Warriors. Andrew Bogut. Did, was he a, was he a Piston? I, didn't he get traded to the Pistons? I can't swear to it. Uh, that is incorrect. You are wrong. Oh, you sabotaged me. I can't believe it. Um, Warriors Clippers, which I feel like I should have, but I can't pull it. Um, and the other ones are the Sixers and Hawks and Sixers and Spurs. And they're like, I like, I know that I should be. Oh, I got the Sixers and Hawks one now. It's uh, Dikembe Mutombo.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that's an easy one. Um, clippers warriors i i feel like that's an easy one but it's not i can't oh, I don't. Um, what what about warriors pistons um richardson jason richardson
1: oh i think you're right i think that's right no you're not right
0: wow i suck at that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> dragging me down <laughs> dragging me down go back to the nfl one um yeah. I mean, there should be a Sixers, a uh, sparse one that I can that I should be able to just drop in there, but I can't right now. I just don't think I've got it. Yeah,
0: I'm so good with like a lot of like the mid '90s, late early 2000s, like veterans who would just jump
1: from team to team, like the uh, Steve Kerr's, Robert Ori's of the world. But I should probably just spam like Ish Smith or Tony Massenburg. You know, these guys who played for like 18 franchises. Yeah. Oh well, I'll leave it there. What an episode! What a time to be alive. Yeah, it was. um,
0: It was good. This was. This was fun. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you um, you can follow me at the Real forno, You can follow Fred at Flagrant Wrestling. You can follow the show. No,
1: wrong. Wrong. I I have left the Twitter. I'm left the Twitter. I mean, I'm not really using Twitter much going forward. You left the Twitter. Yeah, I'm on the Blue Sky.
0: Oh, you can follow Fred on Blue Sky because as flagrant only, stats, yeah, and it's it's no, not a never on Threads. Yeah, I'm on Threads at four zero eight because they took the real Forno from me. Somebody did on Instagram. I message them trying to get it, and they won't they won't respond, which is boo. Um, you can also find us on Discord where, if you have any any questions for us, you can ask ask us there and. And we will gladly answer them on the show. And in the meantime, have yourselves a wonderful day. And we will see you next week to talk more All Elite Wrestling.
1: Take care, everyone.
0: Go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí.